So today, it's interesting what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about birthing, um, how about how God births things in us. We are in a, our second week of Advent, and we are talking about how do we make room for God through this season, that God is, it's easy for God to be, even though the season's about Jesus, it's easy for him to kind of take second place. And so the question is, how do we make room for him in our lives, and um, and one of the ways we make room for him is making room for this idea that he wants to birth new things in us. He's always birthing and rebirthing. That's kind of the nature of God. He birthed our world. He birthed everything that you see around us. He's birthed each one of you, thought of you, and made you, and, and brought you into this earth. God is about birthing, and he's also about rebirthing. Um, when we've gone down a path that's not been so good, he rebirths us and brings us back. Um, and so it's really awesome to think about how can we make room for God to do a rebirth? In us, something to birth something new in us. Um, here's the thing about birthing: it never comes at a good time, right? Um, especially if you talk about having a baby, uh, it's never a good time to have a baby. It's you always think, well, you know, maybe we should have a little bit more money in the bank, or we should have a bigger house, or we should have, you know, things more worked out. It just never seems like a really good time. And then you have the baby, and you realize, I really, it really wasn't a good time. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot going on. Um, it's never a good time, really, to birth a baby. But you just have to do it, right? You just do it. If we all waited until we were ready to have children before we had children, the human race would be over <laughs> because we're never really ready. Am I right? It's also never a good time to birth other things. It's never a good time, for example, to birth a new business. Has anybody ever birthed a new business here? Uh, it's never a good time. You think I need to have a little bit more money. I need to have a research the demographics better. I need to have done my, my economic analysis better. I need to do all these things before I can birth a business. And at some point, you just finally have to say, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to open up, the, do the paperwork, and I'm going to get it started. You just have to get started. It's also never a great time to say, go get counseling, right? You may think, oh, everyone's, you know, you know you need it. Maybe other people are telling you you need it. Maybe your marriage needs it. Maybe you need it. And yet you think, well, you know, but it's going to take a lot of time, um, and it's going to toss some money, and I don't know, it'll be emotional. Uh, you know, maybe I'll do it after Christmas, and then maybe, maybe after Easter, and then maybe after the summer's over. Like, we just put it off next year, next year. And sometimes you just have to say, no, I just need to start. I need to start. I need to let this rebirth happen. Birthing something new takes courage. It takes stepping out, taking a risk, letting go of control. We have to make room for something new that might be coming into our lives. And so I want to open the question before us today, what might God be birthing in you? No matter what age or stage you are in, God's always birthing something new. It may be something simply in the way you approach your schooling or the way you approach your friends at school, the way you approach God and coming to him. It might be something as an as a, a older adult, how you're approaching the ends of your life and the things that you're facing at that time. What is God birthing in you? What's the thing that you keep saying, well, maybe I'll do it next year. Maybe I'll do it after the holidays, or I'll do it after Easter, or I'll do it after the summer. What's the thing you keep kind of putting off? What's the thing you think, I'd love to do this, but I don't have the money, or I don't have the time, or I don't know if I'm good enough, or I don't know if I'm able, but it just can't, doesn't go away. What's that thing? What's the thing that keeps coming up even in your quiet time, where you... God keeps just bringing a person to mind. Maybe it's just a person you're meant to reach out to and, and care for. Maybe, maybe it's a, a ministry that you're supposed to just get started. It just keeps coming to mind, and it just keeps coming up in your quiet time over and over again, and you've got to push it aside. What's the thing 
that keeps coming up in your mind, that God keeps bringing to mind. What is God birthing in you? He's bringing something to life. Let's talk about Mary. We're at Christmas season, and we're going to talk about Mary and what happened to her when she was called into a new birth. Let's read from Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary was called to a new birth. And not just this baby that was going to be inside of her, but she was she was being called to a complete overhaul of her life. Her whole life was going to change from that point on. She was busy planning a wedding, and instead now she's getting the cradle ready for the baby that's coming. Everything would change. She had to make room for the new birth. She had to open up a part of her life, say, I'm going to make some room for this in my life. I'm going to push some other things aside, my plans for the wedding, my plans for this. It's all going to get put to the side. I'm going to make room for what God is birthing in me. Making birthing is going to always involve a few things, and so we're going to talk about four things, how we can make room for God, for birthing that God is going to do in us. Making room for birthing, first of all, means stretching. Now, of course, we know, literally, it does mean stretching. If you are a woman who has had a baby, you know that you can't believe how much your belly can stretch. Like, you just can't believe it. You're at six months, and you think, wow, am I big? Like, I can't believe that. I don't fit in any of my clothes. You think, I'll never get any bigger than this. And then a month later, you go, I got bigger. <laughs> How did that happen? And now you still have two more months to go. Just FYI, by the ninth month, you're kind of like a balloon that's ready to pop, okay? It's like you can't believe how much stretching the body can take, how much this baby is just making room, taking room in your body. There's a lot of stretching involved with birthing. But there's other kinds of stretching too. I can remember when I was still an associate pastor up in my church in New York and uh, I was suddenly made lead pastor. The lead pastor had left suddenly and the whole thing was just thrown in my lap. And I had been happily going along as an associate, preaching once a month, doing women's ministry, worship ministry. You know, I was busy, but you know, I, it was manageable. And then suddenly, now I was in charge of the elder meetings and the finances and running, you know, congregational meetings and preaching almost every week. And I was like, Lord, how am I ever going to do that? I can't ever do that. And you know, I know what happened. I stretched. God stretched me, and he told me very specifically in that moment, he said, you are not to worry. You're not to worry about it. I have got this. I'm putting you in this place. I'm stretching you for a reason. This is what I have you to do. 
And this is what happens when we feel there's stretching coming. God says, I'm not going to stretch you and just leave you to burst. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to help you. I've put you in that place. We're sometimes, I think, afraid to let God have his way in our lives and to do the thing that we're called to do because we're just afraid of being stretched. We don't want to be stretched. You know, that sounds hard. <laughs> um, but he will do it. He will do it in us. And it's a glorious thing. If we didn't stretch big enough to have that baby, we couldn't have these beautiful babies that we end up having that turn into wonderful teenagers that we get to enjoy. <laughs> ah! <laughs> didn't really mean for that to be a joke, but okay. <laughs> you know, I'm honoring the teenagers here, okay? Teenagers are cool, all right? They're the best. When I talk about stretching, I'm also not talking about wearing yourself out. There's a few of you that stretch yourself stretch yourself too thin and you're saying yes to everything and you can't ever say no and you just do and do and do everything that comes to mind that's stretching that you put on yourself okay the stretching that I'm talking about is God stretching it's when he calls you into something moves you into something that maybe does feel big and a little scary and hard but it's his work his calling his kingdom and it might be in the church or it might even be whether you're called into a new sports team or you're called into a new, new ministry or a new club. Whatever it is he's calling you into, he will make the way. He will stretch you to be able to do it. It's like when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush and he said, by the way, you're my guy. You're going to set the people free. And he's like, I can't do that. I don't even talk very well. How am I going to be your spokesman? And God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to stretch you. It's going to be all right. You've got it. You've got it. It's like when Jesus showed up to Peter in power, and he showed him all of his power. And what is the first thing Peter said? Away from me, I'm a sinful man. He thought he didn't have enough. He thought he wasn't good enough, too sinful to do anything good for God. And Jesus saw through all that. He said, I'm calling you. I'm going to stretch you. And boy, did Peter get stretched. If you don't know, Peter ended up leading the Jerusalem church, the very first church. He spoke the first sermon after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. He ended up dying for his faith Boy, was he stretched, but God was with him throughout it. God called him to that stretching. Let's think of another example from everyday life, and this kind of relates to all the children and teens that are in the room. When you have your first baby, you think, I love this baby so much. Like, my whole heart is around this baby. And also, all my time is around this baby. I do everything. I, all day long, I'm thinking about, is the baby hungry? Is the baby tired? Is the baby upset? Is the baby sleeping? Like, all day long, you think about that baby. And often, new parents, parents of one child will say, I don't know how I could ever have another because how could I ever love another baby like that? And yet, many of you know, you go ahead and have a second and some of you had third and fourth and fifth and your heart just stretches, doesn't it? It stretches. You love those children and somehow, some way, you make time for them all. You make time for them all because God stretches you. So let's not be afraid of the stretching. If God is birthing something in you, yes, there will be some stretching. But let's let God do the stretching. Let's allow room for stretching. And so I ask the question, what is God birthing in you? What's he birthing in you? There's a second thing that making room for birth means, and it means waiting. It means waiting. Often when an idea is birthed, then there's a waiting period. There's a gestation period. Think about Mary. She had this whole visitation from the angel. I have no idea if she like felt something when she suddenly was pregnant with Jesus, but we know it would have taken a few weeks for her to know for sure, and then she had to wait nine whole months to have that baby. It's a lot of waiting, wondering, 
And most new things that God births in us will take some time. We need to have a little patience. Um, how many of us have jumped ahead of God? We got an idea. I'm just going to do it. And we just jump in. And then, oh, that did not work out so well. Maybe I should have thought that through <laughs> a little bit more. Maybe I should have thought that through a little more. No wonder the Bible is full of verses about waiting. Waiting is, a, is, a, is like a spiritual practice. It's where we wait on God. We listen and we wait. I'm going to just read you a couple verses about waiting. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still and wait. Hebrews 6, 15, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And 2 Corinthians 1, 7, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed. Sometimes we've got to wait. We have to wait for confirmation from the wise counselors around us. We have to wait for the opening of the door, to, for the doors to open. We have to wait for the timing to be right. We have to wait for the money to come in. We have to wait. Is God birthing something in you but asking you to wait? Don't think that that means no. It doesn't mean that he's saying, no, you can't do that. He might be saying, wait. I know people who had received callings to ministry at the ages of 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. But they had some life to do and some growing up to do and some school to finish and all that stuff before they were able to walk into that ministry. But God had the calling on their life early on. And so sometimes we, we know there's something God's calling us to do, but we've got to wait. And that's okay. We wait. Now, I think we can learn something about waiting from Mary. How did she wait? She had to wait for this thing. She probably wasn't cert overall certain exactly. I mean, he didn't give her a lot of explanation of what was going to happen. So she's probably wondering how this whole thing is going to pan out. But she waited patiently, and she did two things to help her wait patiently. What did she do? She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So she did two things. She declared two things in her waiting period. And maybe if you're in a waiting period, you could declare these two. The first thing she declared is, I belong to God. I'm his. I'm the Lord's servant. This is my identity. See, here's what happens. When we have something new birthing in us, it becomes sometimes our identity. This is my thing, my ministry. This is my business, my church. And it becomes all about our ego. Here's the problem with that. When it does well, our ego's all blown up like a balloon, right? We think we're just the greatest thing since sliced bread, and nobody can deal with us because we're really annoying. But if it fails, then we're like, I'm a failure. Everything I do is a failure. All of that is wrong, see? When we know who we are, that our identity is in Christ. I'm the Lord's servant. It doesn't matter if that new thing that was birthed in you ended up working out great, or maybe it crashed. You know what? You can't, not everything succeeds, right? And so maybe it crashed, maybe, maybe it didn't go through, but I am still the Lord's servant. She just said, no matter how this ends up, whether I live or die, whether this baby changes my whole life, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm his. I belong to him. I belong to him. You're a child of God. That comes first. And the second thing she said is, may his word be fulfilled. She surrendered to God. Whatever you want, God, I'm ready for it. And so she may have had dreams, but she submitted all her dreams to God and said, Lord, this is, if this is what you want, I, I surrender to you. And, and sometimes he 
fulfills our dreams, and sometimes he fulfills something in us that we never thought about. And we go, oh, I didn't know that was a dream. But he does it anyway. And so she surrendered to God. So this is something for us to learn today, to take with us as we might be waiting, to remember that I belong to God. Say, I belong to God. And to say, I surrender to God. Say, I surrender to God. I surrender to God. In everything, every new birth that he does in us, we can wait with him. That's our attitude. So what is God birthing in you? That's the question today. What is God birthing in you? The third thing that we do to make room for birth is realize that there's going to be struggle. There's not only stretching and waiting, but there's also struggle. Later on in the Christmas story, we see all the struggle. Mary and Joseph, you all know the story well. Um, she, they had to make that long trip to Bethlehem. She's on a donkey, big and pregnant. That could not have been comfortable. That was not a fun time, not a great trip. Um, there's no McDonald's to stop along the way. Like, there's no base to go to the bathroom. Like, you just have to keep going. Um, it's not a, it was not a fun trip. There was a struggle in getting to Bethlehem. And, you know, it makes me think, actually, about, I don't know if Nicole's here today, but, you know, we, have, we had a lovely woman here who was, pr who was pregnant and moved three times in her pregnancy, toward the end of her pregnancy. Like, just, that's a struggle. Like, there's nothing fun or easy about that. And Paul was telling me what a great attitude she had. She was just calm and peaceful. Like, it's a struggle, but you know what? There's always, anything good comes with a struggle. There's always a struggle if there's going to be something good happening. I don't know um, of any birth that doesn't involve some kind of struggle. And so Mary and Joseph ended up then going to Bethlehem. And we also know the story. No room for them at the inn. They ended up in kind of a stable, probably some kind of cave where she's given birth to the baby. There's no midwife. There's no doctors. There's no comfy hospital bed. There's no ice chips down the hall to bring you <laughs> to feel better. There's no epidural to take away the pain. She's just on the floor having the baby. Struggle. Struggle. Every birth has some kind of struggle, whether it's having a baby or anything else. Have any of you ever started a business or a nonprofit? Is there any struggle in that? Chris Larson, is there any struggle in starting a nonprofit? <laughs> there's struggle. Of course there's struggle. Have any of you ever built a home or done a major remodel? Is there struggle? Amen. Have any of you ever learned a new sport? You decide you want to go out for the team, you tried to learn a new sport. Is there struggle in learning to do that? <laughs> yeah, there's struggle. Is there, have you ever started a ministry or a church or have you ever in your business had to launch a new product? Is there struggle in that? Of course there's struggle. There's struggle in every good thing. Anything worth doing involves struggle. We should expect some struggle as we do anything good, whether it's for God, whether it's in our own life. Peter says this to the people of Macedonia. He said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Of course there's going to be struggle, especially if you're doing God's work. And this is why it's so important to me as a pastor, as we talk about leadership and ministry, that all of us begin to build this ability to be good at handling struggle. We build resilience as a body and as leaders and as people, resilience that we personally in our own lives to handle it when things are not going well, that we can handle it with, with peace by calling out to God and walking with him in it, um, that we have also, resilience when things are not going well in our ministries, that we don't get frustrated when the thing we tried to start doesn't happen the way we want it to happen, when things don't end up the way we want them to end up, 
We try to get something off the ground and it doesn't really get off the ground. That we, we don't get frustrated by that, but we realize this is part of the struggle. And God may be calling you into something different, something new, um, or simply to persevere in that thing and to keep the struggle. I always say, let's just try something. We tried this today. We tried to put out, we left out the tables. We had the, all this room was full of tables for the lunch yesterday. And so we have some tables over here. We thought, let's just see if people like sitting at tables when they're, uh, you know, having the service. So uh, we just, why not try something? And if it's great, great. If it's not great, all right, we'll try something else. We have to be okay with taking risks and trying new things, letting God birth something new in us. It also occurs to me that it, part of struggle can be conflict. And we should expect that in life we're going to have conflict. Even in church we're going to have conflict. There will come a time when I'll say something that you won't like and you'll be mad at me about it or there will be something that you'll say that somebody else won't like. And how do we handle that? How do we handle the struggle and the conflict that will always come? We're human beings. If you find a church that doesn't have any conflict, then by all means go. <laughs> and it may, I may come with you <laughs> um, because that sounds great. There isn't one. There's always conflict, but how do we handle it? Do we do it like the world does? What does the world do? They just defriend you <laughs> and shut you out and, and uh, just ghost you, you know, don't answer your text or whatever. Or do we handle it in such a way that we love one another and we listen to one another and we talk it through, we pray together, we forgive each other, we offer apologies quickly, we resolve our conflicts well. This is all part of the struggle of doing something good. We have something good here. Let's, let's take on the struggle. Let's take on the struggle. What is God birthing in you, I ask? And the last thing we'll talk about here about, God, about birth and making room for birth is that making room for birth means life. At the end of the day, birth means life. If Mary hadn't said yes to God, then Jesus would not have been born in her and come and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for us so that you and I could have new life. So the life that was born in her gave us life. Life brings life. And when God does something new in us, there's some fear, there's some struggle, but, but then there's something new. There's life. It's, God says, behold, I'm doing something new. I think he's doing something new among us. He's always working among us and birthing something new among us. He's doing a new thing. And to be part of that new thing is so exciting. And the process of being part of a new thing with all the struggle and all the stretching, it brings life. You know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, how big the move was for Paul and I when we came here two and a half years ago. We were in, had been in New York for decades. That was our place. We knew the people. We knew the church. We knew everything about the area. And then all of a sudden, poof, here you go. We're going to North Carolina. And everything changed. And what we didn't realize is how life-giving that was going to be. How maybe a little stale we'd gotten in the same old place over and over again. Maybe how much we needed something fresh and new. And I'm telling you, it has just brought life to us to be in a new place with new stores and new, new restaurants and new people and a new culture and a new church that's amazing. I mean, just, it's brought such life to us as a couple, as a family. Praise the Lord. But that took a step. It took a step. It took a step of faith. It took a step of risk. It took a step. Here's what I want to say about that. Very few of us are going to get to the end of our lives and say, oh, I wish I hadn't taken that risk. Oh, I wish I hadn't taken that step out into that new thing. Even if the thing completely bombs, right? You start a business or something, bombs. You're still glad you tried it. I'd rather have tried it and failed than never have tried at all. Amen? 
And so this is true for us in every part of our life, whether it's about something we're doing as a student in school, whether it's something we're doing as a worker in a workplace, whether it's something we do in ministry here, we need to be willing to take God faith-filled risks and walk with him. And he brings life when we step out in courage. That's what Mary did. She listened to God and stepped out. What is God birthing in you? What is he birthing in you? And I think that right now he may be calling on some of you to do the very basic birth, which is to be born into Jesus. So he came so that we could be born again into him. He, talk, he uses this language of birthing when he talks about us coming to faith in him. That it's part of how we come to faith in him is by, by coming into a new birth. It will take some stretching, some change, some struggle. There's something to that, but, but it brings life. He's inviting you and me to come into a new life with him, to open up our hearts to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want my life to be for you first and foremost. The Bible says that God brings us life in the spirit through new birth. In John 3, Jesus himself replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Great question. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. 1 Peter 1.23 says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. It's no surprise to me that Jesus uses these images of birthing because when you come to Jesus for the first time, it feels like you've been born again because you see the world in a different way. And some of the fears and the struggles that you've struggled with, they, they maybe don't completely go away, but now suddenly you see them in a completely different way, that Jesus is right there, he's holding on your hand, that he's real. And so this is what God is calling us to today to be born again into his presence, to have the rebirth in our own hearts, in our own lives. We can walk with him. We need to just make room, to make room to open up our hearts to him and invite him in. As I mentioned last week, we're doing something a little different during this season of Advent. We have been following this Advent devotional that's out there called Making Room in Advent, and we're talking about making room. And we've had a little shorter time of singing at the beginning, and we're going to have some more singing at the end. This is a little different than our normal um, flow. We're going to have a little bit more worship at the end. But um, in between, I'm allowing some time for something called um, Visio Divina. And some of you may be familiar with Lectio Divina. That is where you read the scripture kind of slowly and meditatively, and you let the Lord bring out a, a word or a phrase, and you kind of meditate on that for a little bit in the word. Well, this is Visio Divina. It's the same thing. It's just visual. And so the artwork that's in the book that we're, we're going through uh, is our original art creations by, um, by Bette Dickinson. And they, she has created them prayerfully as she's been considering these stories from the Christmas story. And so we're going to do this in a minute, not yet. Um, we're going to display a painting up on the screen, and I'm going to just leave it up there for two minutes. And I want you to just take a moment. Now, with all that I've just been saying in your mind and the, the idea of birthing and the idea um, of, of what he's doing in our own lives, I'm going to display the painting, and I'm going to ask you just to look at it and ask the Lord to speak to you through it. What does your eye go toward? What do you, what do you sense, feel, think as you look at it? Um, it may be related to something I've preached on or maybe something completely different that may speak to you in it. 
And then after two minutes of contemplation, I'm going to take a minute and go around and have a few of you, just a couple, two or three of you, share um, what you saw in the painting and what kind of spoke to you, just in a brief one or two sentences. All right? And then I'm going to close with some more thoughts, and we're going to actually go into communion together. All right? So um, let's look at the painting. Here it is, the Annunciation. Lord, speak to us. Right. Anybody want to share what God may have shown you? Sure. Go ahead, Tom. I see the the root of Jesse going into Mary. Mm. Amen. Yes. I see the old life of the tree decaying, dying, and this angel or this being, this Jesus or whatever it is, is using the Holy Spirit to bring and transform new life into this person who has humbled themselves and is bowing their head before them, not in their own self. Hmm, that's great. Love that. Somebody over here? Right here? I see um, healing, that, that healing touch. Mm. You know, everyone knows that I've been sick, and that's me, and he's touching me, and he's healing me. Mm. Amen. That's great. I saw the angels protecting everybody. Like, when you're a little baby, I feel like um, the angels are watching over the young. Coming to you, Vicki. Coming to you. Hold on. Right there. Go ahead. First of all, <laughs> you guys don't 
No, but I kind of cheated yesterday. <laughs> Pastor Beth kind of gives me a, a description of the painting a day in advance so I can read the scripture so I can kind of get an idea. And um, between the painting and the scripture itself, I saw the faith of Mary. Um, last week, as you know, um, Zachariah acted more in more of a disbelief or shock. And Mary, he, my, my opinion on Mary was she was more receptive. And she said, whatever you say. <laughs> Amen, amen. So that's kind of what I got out of it, and uh, it. it touched me because I know lately I haven't been, I've had some faith issues, so I was like, I got to be more like Mary. So. Oh, amen, <laughs> amen. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Let's see. Thank you. Anybody else? Let's do like one or two more. That's it. I'm going to go all the way back to you. Um, actually, I'm going to ask yeah, you to just come right, forward. Yeah, we may we may have a feedback problem if I go there. Okay, so in looking at this, I see a lot of what everyone sees, but I I see almost this, this little embryo of the baby in the root. Mm -hmm. And when you see that that ties into Mary, um, you know the the angel. Let's just say that's Gabriel to me. That that's transcendent in and of itself. It's not connected to both parts of the world. But Mary is that divine bridge that we're going to have to have for us to get Jesus. I mean, hmm. we see that the baby will be born of the earth, but not of the earth. And hmm. that's what's gonna be so amazing about this. And we have all those great blues in the background for that, that purifying, which really sets it apart. And we see the white of, of purity and really this, this brown of, of the earthliness. It's just, this is the ultimate bridge. And um, this hmm. is how we get there. Hmm. That's beautiful, thank you. Okay, one more. Last one. I might again ask you to just step a little bit forward. I'm just a little worried about the speakers. Yeah, the thing that impresses me in this painting is the way that Mary seems to be embracing the light that is surrounding her, flowing into her, almost drawing it into herself. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's great. Isn't it amazing just how out of one painting everybody has a little something different that we see God speaks to us in different ways. Um, for me, I saw the, uh, this time around the, the kind of the white plume of smoke going off to the left, which is kind of him coming from heaven, right, the angel. But she's got the same plume of smoke. So it kind of makes me think that um, heaven came down, you know, to her, and he comes down to us, that we... We're heavenly beings in a way. We're not angels, but that we get to receive from the spirit, receive from the heavens. So that's kind of what spoke to me in there. I hope that in looking at this painting, we are able to start ask, answering the question, what is God birthing in you?